I'm Khalil E. Colonna, and this is Nashville. In 2018, Nashville voters approved the establishment of a community oversight board. Advocates for police accountability had been working toward for a long time. This independent board, tasked with investigating allegations of police misconduct, was a long time coming, and it was a step in the right direction to create more trust between the police and the communities they serve. Earlier this month, the state legislature passed a bill that would eliminate community oversight boards. And as of now, the bill sits unsigned on Governor Lee's desk. So how do you feel about this bill that would disband the COB? Why is police oversight important? Later this hour, we'll bring you a Citizen Nashville to discuss. But first, newsflash, Tennesseans are generating a lot of trash. Maybe that's not news to you, but when we say a lot, we mean a lot, more than 2,000 pounds per person every year. And as we've talked about on our show, local and state officials are trying to find a place for all this trash to go. A proposed waste complex in Murray County would sit on a former industrial chemical site along the Duck River. But that proposal has nearby residents concerned about the river's health. Here to give us the lowdown is WPLN's environmental reporter, Caroline Eggers. Hey, Caroline. Hey. So, all right, as I just spelled out, we generate a whole lot of trash. So where does it go right now? So right now we're sending all of our trash to Middle Point. That's in Murfreesboro. It's about a 200-acre landfill, and some people say it has as little as a few years left in operation. Mm. So that's causing a lot of trash anxiety. And then we're seeing um, a lot more proposals from companies who, you know, they want to whisk our trash away and make a lot of profit from that. Okay, so can you give us more details about what's being proposed for Murray County? Yeah. So a Louisiana-based company, Trinity, is proposing to construct what some people are referring to as a 1,300-acre waste complex. And that will include a nearly 400-acre landfill. So that's like double the size of middle points. All right. And you reported that this site, it has some risks, right? Yeah, for two reasons. The first is that this site is a super fund. And that's the name for a site that's basically so polluted that it can take years or even decades to clean up. And so from the 1930s to the 1980s, this site belonged to Monsanto. Um, If you've ever used Roundup, uh, that is one of Monsanto's products. Um, Or you might have heard of Monsanto being involved in a lot of lawsuits um, from people claiming they got cancer from their products. Mm. Um, But at this Tennessee site, Monsanto was, they had a um, phosphate mine and processing plant. So from the documentation that we have, we know that they made agricultural chemical chemicals and then also chemical weapons. Um, and the byproducts of these products were buried in these unlined pits. Chemical weapons sounds pretty bad. Yeah. Um, but that, that's not the only issue with this site that's proposed at this proposed waste complex, right? Right. Um, this site is right on a creek that flows directly into the Duck River. And, you know, the Duck River is considered one of the most biodiverse in the in North America because we have so many different mussel and fish species. Um, so in summary, people in the community really don't want this landfill. Mm, so this is all playing out in a rural community about an hour south of Nashville. 
How has that community been fighting the plan for this waste complex? So the local communities have passed some various uh, zoning laws. And then just on Friday, the governor signed a bill that designated the Duck River in Murray County as scenic. And with this designation, that means a landfill cannot be permitted within two miles of the river. Now, does this mean that the fight is over? Uh, that's to be determined. <laughs> um, the company could choose to take this up in court. It's very possible that they can make an argument that, you know, they had the permit before these new laws passed. Um, but the residents seem to want to keep fighting. <laughs> I spoke to a farmer named Sam Kennedy who summarized really why this is an issue so important to the people who live there. There needs to be at least one piece of Middle Tennessee that's still wild and beautiful. Mm-hmm. I hear that totally. <laughs> what's, so what's next for this story? So as long as this proposal is on the table, I'm going to keep looking into Monsanto's past in Tennessee. Um, so I'll be submitting some public records requests to the state, and I'll share whatever I learn. All right. That is WPLN's environmental reporter, Caroline Eggers. As always, Caroline, thanks for your reporting, and thanks for coming in. Yeah, thank you. We have to take a short break. When we come back, we will learn how the Community Oversight Board was created and why police oversight is important. How do you feel about the bill to dissolve the COB? Tweet us at This Is Nashville. We'll be right back. I'm Kaleole Colonna, and this is Citizen Nashville. We've talked a lot here at WPLN News about how to serve you, our communities, better. So a few times a month, we're bringing you a special hour we're calling Citizen Nashville. Our goal is to answer your questions, round up resources for you, and make sure our leaders hear your needs loud and clear. Today, we're talking about community oversight boards. In 2018, more than 130,000 Nashvillians voted to establish a community oversight board as a way to increase police accountability. The measure won by a 20% margin citywide, and it won a majority in a 29 of 35 Metro Council districts. The city was still reeling from the police killings of Jacquees Clemens in 2017 and Daniel Hambrick earlier that year. But now the state legislature passed a bill that abolishes community oversight boards, allowing instead for a mayoral appointed members. What this means for Nashville remains to be seen. But before we get to that, let's get closer a look at how the Nashville Community Oversight Board came to be and why. To talk about that, I'd like to welcome my first guest. Arnold Hayes was a treasurer for the referendum campaign and former chair of the Community Oversight Board. Arnold, thanks for being with us today. You're welcome. Thanks. So you were pretty much there from the beginning of the movement to create a COB. What inspired you to be involved? Well, I, uh, first of all, I'll say I was there from the beginning of, of this latest effort. But uh, there had been uh, the NAACP and others, and especially in the 1990s, and also Dr. Martin Luther King advocated for community oversight boards. But how I got involved was uh, through my church— there was a, I sponsored a, an Injustice Anywhere forum, and it was centered around the killing of Michael Brown in Ferguson, Missouri. And it was, uh, 
an event. It was a, a, a event where uh, uh, it was. I was watching. We we actually watched a a, a documentary mm-hmm. on uh, uh, the killing of Michael Brown. And out of that event, uh, one of the items that that surfaced was that something that was needed was community oversight boards. But that was even before the killing of Jacquees Clemens. And then after the killing of, Do- of Jacquees Clemens, I uh, uh, there were uh, I was involved in NOAA uh, and uh, NOAA and other uh, other uh, activist groups decided that they were going to form a coalition to actually push for a community oversight board. And that was where I really got started uh, with community oversight. So as the coalition went about spreading the word about the need for a community oversight board, who did you talk to? Uh, The need for a community oversight board, we actually did presentations. We went around to churches. We went around to uh, different community organizations, uh, telling them the importance of having a community oversight board, that... uh, uh, it was not right that the police police themselves that we needed accountability. Uh, how, yes. How did people respond to that? Uh, actually, the response was really um, uh, pretty warm, but there were some that were definitely against it. Uh, there were organizations, uh, specifically <laughs> the Fraternal Order Police, they actually ended up uh, taking us to court, mm. uh, where they actually, uh, uh, I believe they lost it was either two or three times. Now, in that process, did you have to educate people about what a community oversight board is? We did. We did. We we had to educate. We uh, again, we we had different presentations, different PowerPoint presentations, uh, stating that there were different types of boards. Uh, you had the auditor type. You had the type that that where you had investigators. Uh, we had to educate them on that. We had to educate that this was not. Uh, this was not anti-police, but this was about accountability. Now, you all soon brought the idea to the Metro Council. What happened then? We brought it to the Metro Council, and it passed first reading. We were really happy about that, that it passed first reading. But after the first reading, uh, to my recollection, it did not even get out of one of the committees uh, but there had to be a vote whether or not it was going to, I believe, come back out of committee. And uh, that vote failed. Mm-hmm. And uh, that was that was very disappointing. Uh, but there were a few council members that did actually vote for it. Now, did you feel that at the time, did you feel that a referendum was the only way to make the COP, uh, COB, pardon me, a reality? Uh let me say this. We were we were working with some really what I call A-type personality activists. We were already up on that. Mm-hmm. We knew that if this failed, we had already talked about we were going after a referendum, but we kept that uh, confidential. But, we, yeah, we were already planning on going after a referendum if, if this failed. Mm-hmm. My, my next guest is a Nashvilleian who voted for the referendum. Kim, your nerdle, welcome to This Is Nashville. Thank you, glad to be here. Tell me, why did you vote in favor of creating the Community Oversight Board? I I really learned a lot from the community organizations that were doing so much outreach about the idea behind the Community Oversight Board, which I never heard of uh, until I think the first time uh, when it was brought to council um, and really spent a lot of time thinking about the idea of 
how hard it is sometimes in places like Nashville for people's voices to be heard in how our community functions. Mm. And that was really, for me, the driving force behind it, that we had community members who were spending their time and effort to say, we don't feel like we're being listened to. We feel like we need more representation in how the city functions. And that really connected with me. Um, and really, for me, it was, I was really happy to vote for this referendum because it's maybe the, the thing that I am proudest of voting for here in Nashville in the time that I've lived here. Mm. Okay, so you were really inspired once you began to learn what a community oversight board is. Did you talk to your friends and colleagues about the campaign to establish the COB? I did. I talked to my family members who live here in Nashville. I talked to friends who live here in Nashville uh, just to explain like why I was voting for it and why I was a strong supporter of it. What were those conversations like? I won't say it was met 100% with, you know, great receptivity, uh, but I think I definitely brought a couple of people along in the idea and, and just in my circle um, by showing them some of the data and resources that the community organizations were bringing to the table. All right. That was 2018. Let's bring it to today. What was your reaction when you heard the legislate, state legislature was moving to eliminate the community oversight board and replace it with a mayoral appointed one? I was disappointed, I was sad, and I was frustrated. Uh, I think Nashville spoke very clearly in the vote for for the uh, amendment. Uh, and we were really, as a community, I feel more united than almost on anything else that we wanted to try this out. And so to have those voices silenced again um, is really frustrating. Mm. Arnold, how did you respond? Uh, I had to uh, just take a moment to uh, just take some time out because all of that effort that we had put into that uh, could potentially just go down the drain uh, temporarily. Because uh, and, and the reason why I say temporarily, because the problems do not go away. Whether or not you get rid of the community oversight board, there's still going to be problems in policing and police misconduct. Uh, but... Uh, I just had to had to just take a moment and then and then I said, OK, I'm ready to fight again. Mm -hmm. Now, ahead of the show, we received more than 100 messages from you all, the community, about what you think of the Tennessee legislature's efforts to replace the community oversight boards. Ninety eight percent of those comments strongly oppose the state legislature's efforts. Here's one voicemail we got from Juanita Copeland from Goodlettsville. The voters of Davidson County voted this board in, and that is truly the will of the people. And now you want to disband it because one Republican senator doesn't like it? How is that democracy? What is the point of telling people how important it is that they vote to make their voice heard if a supermajority can remove what the voters have put in place? The medical community has outside and independent oversight because they make life and death decisions, as do the police. And when the police make decisions that impact the death, there should be outside oversight. We voted it in, and it should stand until and unless the voters of Davidson County voted out. Kim, how does what Juanita said resonate with you? Quite a bit. Yeah, I, I completely agree with what she said. It's just kind of shocking to say, you know, well, you all voted for this. You wanted this. We just think you shouldn't have it. 
If you're just tuning in, this is Citizen Nashville, and I'm your host, Khalil Colonna. We're talking this hour about the future of Nashville's Community Oversight Board after the Tennessee legislature passed a law abolishing these kind of bodies. Tweet us your comments at This Is Nashville. Now, we actually got dozens of comments on this theme and that, quote, the COB is something Nashville residents voted for, so why is the state government stepping in to change it, end quote. To give you an idea, here are just a few of those messages. We already voted on this, and the response was clear. Nashville wants oversight. Community oversight boards were created to objectively review allegations of police misconduct against the public. I cannot think of a single rational reason why the Republican supermajority feels it is necessary to replace these boards in Nashville and Memphis. The COB is a very important program here in Nashville, and it was voted on overwhelmingly by the citizens of Nashville. It was decided by voters in Nashville. I don't understand why the legislature continues to overstep their work and get involved in local issues. It's inappropriate and just seems to be one more way to silence the voices of people who are often not heard. That was Tiffany Provenzano, Carrie Cotorius, Joni Rainheimer, and Selena McCoy Carpenter. Arnold, hearing those reactions, what are your thoughts? I, I totally agree. It's 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 also voter suppression. It uh, it's voter suppression, and it's it's an attack on uh, people that uh, often come from uh, come from areas that where they don't have a lot of economic or political resources. And it's a it's a slap in the face of of uh, of the city of Nashville of, of of them being able to actually govern themselves. So it's it's uh, it's 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 terrible. It's a terrible bill. Let me ask you this: How is the makeup of the community oversight board determined currently? The makeup of the community oversight board uh, is um, uh, it's 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 uh, it's determined by first of all, some of the seats are, are determined by the council. The council can pick two seats. Uh, there's also private petitions. There are also organizations like the NAACP, uh, 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 NOAA, uh, Urban League, uh, uh, even the Fraternal Order Police. They can actually recommend members for the Community Oversight Board. So it's and absolute. it goes before council, and then council actually uh, has to vote on each each person. So it's completely made up of the community. It's much. made up of the community. And this new law would change all of that. It would it would change all of that because. Uh, the people on the board would be picked by the mayor, mm. the mayor of, uh, or the, the elected official of any city that you're in. Even though this is a Tennessee legislation, it really is an attack on on Nashville and Memphis because they're the ones that have community oversight boards that actually have even done their own investigations. Mm. Uh, because uh, that's one of the terrible things that would happen with this board is that we have our own independent investigators with this community oversight board. It will go back to the police investigating themselves. We did reach out to Governor Bill Lee's office to ask if he plans to sign the bill into law. And we received a statement from a spokesperson, quote, as always, the governor will review final legislation once it reaches his desk, end quote. But it can still become law without his signature. So regardless, community oversight boards in our state are about to change. So, Arnold, how does having a board appointed by the mayor differ 
from having a community, a board made up of community members? Uh, you can have the best mayor uh, in the world. They can really be on top of things. But typically mayors, because it's a political office, they're going to actually put people in those positions that can probably get them the most votes. Uh, they're not going to be thinking about, well, uh, uh, let me let me rephrase that. They're going to put someone in there that will tell them what they want to hear hmm. versus, I, I mean, I'd rather, if you're going to really do something and you're going to really solve a problem, you really have to get opposing views and listen to opposing views. And that's really what happened with the, with the Tennessee Three is that they didn't allow the minority— to speak, and I and I will say, Roberts Rules of Order even says the, you need to respect minorities. You need to respect their voice, and our voice is not being respected by the Tennessee legislature doing this. They're not respecting the voice of anyone in Nashville by doing this. Now, Kim, when Arnold mentioned that you had to hear opposing views, I saw you nod your head in agreement. What do you think about that? Yeah, I think that's the most important part of. The community oversight board to me is that it helps people whose voices aren't being heard, who don't have access because they don't have money, they don't have resources, the time to get into like the the political channels, that it gives them a way to be involved. And and to me that's the that's the part of we have to listen to everyone. Well, what questions do you have about the future of police accountability in our city after this move? I think first I, I want to know how the city is going to respond uh, to what's happening, uh, what Nashville leadership is going to do uh, in response to this legislation. Um, and I want to know how people like me who voted for the board and people who now support the board who maybe didn't vote for it initially, what we can do to continue to support the, the activities of the board. Now, what concerns do you have about having a mayoral appointed board as opposed to the current community member board? To me, a lot of it is about transparency. I feel like the process that the board has developed for how to appoint new people to the board, that they really went above and beyond the call to make sure that different areas of our community could be involved mm -hmm. that different people who don't typically get involved can, you know, put their names forward themselves or work with community organizations to get involved and have been really very clear about how that process works. And to me, the minute it becomes something where the mayor appoints the board, you lose that transparency and you lose that access for people. You know, Arnold, you said earlier that when the you heard about the legislature and this bill, that you were prepared to fight. What are your plans? Uh, I'm going to continue actually uh, following what's happening in the legislature. Uh, actually, just yesterday, I sent Governor Bill Lee a, a message basically telling him to, to veto, to veto this particular uh, legislation. And uh, I'll just be examining whatever avenues that we can uh, that we can take, uh, whether or not it's legal action or whatever. Uh, we need to. We need. Uh, I would. I would hope that our city would push back 
uh, even if it does require some type of legal action, and our city would, 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 would step up and do something like that. I understand you, you asked, you asked, you wrote that, sent that message to Governor Lee asking him to veto, but he's got a, the legislature, legislature has a veto-proof supermajority. If he were to veto it, it would still has a, stands a good chance of becoming a law. But when you say good chance, I still think that's a, that, would, that would be a powerful statement for the governor of Tennessee to veto that bill because he knows in his heart that that's a bad bill. And, 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 and yeah, maybe, the, maybe the, the General Assembly will go back and approve it, but I think that would be a, that would be a, 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 a courageous move for the governor. And it would, I, I would probably have a lot more respect for the governor for doing that. Given all of that, how do you feel about the future? Oh, I'm. Uh, you can't can't find a more optimistic person than than I am. I mean, we as, as far as the community oversight board, we've been through so many, so much resistance, and oh no, I can't give up. And and one reason I can't give up when I look in the eyes of my granddaughter, I can't mm. I can't give up. We have to keep fighting, no matter what it is. We still got to keep fighting. Kim, how about you? How do you feel about the future? I feel like I'm inspired by people, people like you that are are so hopeful for the progress that we can continue to make. And uh, I was thinking about this um, down in Frankly, Frankie Pierce Park, um, down in the Gulch. There's a quote on one of the murals that says, and I'm going to paraphrase, uh, we, we still have hope because we believe in the best of the nation in, in Nashville. And I, I think that's something that's really powerful and that really resonated with me, that the best of people, we can keep things moving forward. Mm-hmm. It takes effort and a lot of fight. And so we have to be sure that we can still be like there to fight mm-hmm. on. But this is not an issue that's going to go away. And right. the Community Oversight Board has demonstrated in Nashville that it is is worth having and something that helps our community. So... To me, it's something we have to fight for. I want to thank my guests, Kim Unertle and Arnold Hayes, former chair of the Community Oversight Board. We appreciate you both being here. Thank you again. Thank you. Thank you. We have to take a short break. When we come back, we'll ask what the future of Nashville's Community Oversight Board will look like. Join the conversation and send us your thoughts by tweeting us at This Is Nashville. We'll be right back. Colona, and this is Citizen Nashville. Today, we're talking about the future of Nashville's Community Oversight Board. The state legislature has passed a bill that abolishes the board as we know it. Instead of a board run by community members, the new COB would be composed of members appointed by the mayor. That's drastically different from what the people of Nashville voted for in 2018. But what will the Community Oversight Board look like in the future? I'd like to introduce Jill Fitchard, Executive Director of the Metro Nashville Community Oversight Board, Board Member and former Police Officer Mark Wynn, and Board Member Alicia Haddock. Thanks to you all for being with us. Welcome to This is Nashville. Thank you. 
Okay, so I know that the board met on Monday night to discuss this bill. How how will this legislation impact how the board works and what you all are able to do, Alicia? Yeah, it will um, severely impact us because, you know, it strips away subpoena power. It essentially takes away the voice of the people. You know, when when everyone voted, when the citizens of Nashville voted for this uh, community oversight board, um, it was because we believed that the power was held within the community and with the people. And so what the this bill is saying is, is that we're going to take that away. Right. And we're going to make sure that, um, you know, it's going to be uh, the decisions are going to come from one person. Or, you know, if there is a complaint, you you make that complaint to this person and then they'll they'll send it back to the police department. Right. So what good will that do? I mean, so really, will we be a community oversight board if this goes into effect? And I'd like to get a sense of how you all responded to the passing of that bill that would disband the community oversight board. Mark, what was your reaction? Well, modern policing requires community trust. Uh, community trust is is gained by what we call procedural justice. It's showing the public that you're fair, you're open, you're honest in all your decision-making, all your policies, all your arrest decisions, how you hire, how you train police. And it's about the public's perception of your honesty. Uh, these are modern times. This is not when I started policing in 1977. You know, the, the, the government owes the public um, transparency. The Community Oversight Board was the eyes and the voice of the community inside the decisions made by the police department. If you take that away, you're robbing the police department of connecting with the community, and you're robbing the community from connecting with the police department. So when politicians come into our community who don't live here and nullify the votes of the citizens of Nashville uh, to their voice of the police department that they pay for with their tax dollars, that's not freedom. You take away their freedom when you nullify their vote. This has been done before in other places. I train for the State Department as well, part of my duties now as a consultant. And I train in other countries. I've trained in communist countries. I've trained in Arabic countries who really don't care about the rights and the voice of people. But we're not a foreign country. We're the United States. So I think what they've done is they've set back our relations with the community and the police department for years. I just wish they had thought through this and thought, what are we doing? Are we har- who are we harming by taking away the community voice. I mean, I, I'm proud that I worked as a police officer. I retired as a lieutenant detective with Metro. I worked in all the divisions. Um, and I'm grateful that they hired me and trained me and spent all that money. But that money came from taxpayers. So I'm obliged to the taxpayers just as well as I am to people who hired me in, in government. And this is, a, this is a slap in the face to the citizens of this city who want to trust and honor and respect their police department. Jill? What was your response? Yeah, I was uh, taken aback by the bill. Um, You know, when I think about legislation to give us less 
accountability when we know that there were, you know, two controversial shootings um, where two black men were killed, um, which ratified a vote of 135,000 people. Um, what that tells me is that those people sitting in the state house just really don't care about voters in Nashville. Um, and I think that Nashville voters, um, you know, they wanted this type of oversight. Um, what they're proposing, um, creating a review committee, is not going to build trust in the community as they have written into the law. Um, what it's going to do is have people disenfranchised, disillusioned, upset. Um, we're getting those calls now where people are asking, why doesn't, you know, why doesn't my vote matter? What are we going to do? Um, we asked for a specific type of oversight, one that held officers accountable, one that um, created investigations independently, um, and, and all the other things that our, um, our, our bylaws, you know, s state about the COB as it's currently written. And, and so, you know, I'm just um, I'm really um, I, I think I'm a little numb to all of this right now um, because we do have to begin to figure out how we. Um, implement something that the voters don't want. Now, as executive director, you're employed by the board, but you're also in charge of a small staff. What kind of work does the staff do? Just for some background. Yeah, um, we have our legal advisor. We have, you know, multiple investigators. We have a director over investigations. We have a community outreach liaison. We have a social worker and we have some admin positions um, and we have a research team. Um, and one of the researchers, uh, we have a, a we have what we call a lead researcher. And then we also have um, some, it's a very strange thing, but we have a, um, an individual who will do audits for license plate readers. And that, and that particular position was written in by the local legislation. So what happens to that? Is it overturning that? There's so many unanswered questions on how to implement this thing. Um, it's not real clear. Uh, because we were a thriving department in our metropolitan government, um, doing real work for our city, um, assisting our police department with helping them become more professional, addressing the issues that people would bring to the board. Um, and so, yeah, it's, it's very challenging right now. Now, Mark, you mentioned you've been on the force for a long time and it's modern policing. Tell me, how has policing today changed since you first started on the force in 1977, right? I, you know, I retired uh, in 2001 from, from Metro and then started working for the Justice Department, training police, police chiefs for the International Association of Chiefs of Police and the Justice Department. So one of the things that I do for justice and ICP is I evaluate police departments. I look at their policies, their procedures. I do work for the Civil Rights Division. I just We just finished the Chicago Review for Civil Rights. Uh, Louisville just went through it. And... The standards today are much, much higher than they were in the past. And there's an awareness from the public that wasn't there when I first started training. In 91, when we all watched LAPD brutalize Rodney King, that changed law enforcement forever. Police chiefs and first sheriffs all over the country were then required to tell the communities what it is we're doing, how we're training police, what's tolerated, how we're disciplining officers, what is our standard. Because it's a modern time, because people have cameras and, and was on film. So as we see these things happen around the country, and, and I know that it's not an everyday event where you have, you know, a case like you had in Memphis, but when you have it, 
you're responsible in law enforcement to explain to the public who's paying your salary that they're safe and that you believe that it's not proper policing and you're going to correct it. With oversight, and this is, by the way, oversight's being embraced by police departments. There's probably 200 oversight boards across the country today. When you have a professional staffed oversight board, and that's what Nashville has, with Director Fitchard, she's taken us to a professional level with the investigators and the researchers and the way she manages our board that no police chief should be afraid of, no government should be afraid of the end product, because what it does, it does raise the standard for policing. And every cop in this country wants to raise the standard of policing. Now, we got a message from Jed Burdett about why he feels the community oversight board is important. Let's listen. Civilians, those mostly affected by misconduct, should be the ones to have the greatest oversight. Now, Alicia, how does what Jed is saying, how does that line up with how the community oversight board works? You know, that's exactly, it takes us back to my first comment. Um, The community... They deserve a voice in how their their own community is policed. You know, I think um, if you look back, you know, when we were talking about Jim Crow segregation and 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 laws, Jim Crow laws, and how um, policing got started, right? And then from what Mark was saying, where we are today, um, we definitely don't need less oversight. We need more oversight. Because the intention is for the community and for the police to come together because there has we have to make sure that each one understands where they're coming from. Right. So if you know my needs as a community member and I know where you're coming from as you police my community, then that's when we can have a safe, healthy community. And what the community oversight board does is make sure that that is happening. Right. If any instances of misconduct um, happens and a complaint comes before us, we look at it objectively and we make sure that the community voice uh, it, it, that their voice is being heard. You know, I was thinking about what if we did not have the community oversight board? How many more instances of police misconduct or brutality would we be seeing if we didn't have the level of oversight, professional oversight that we have now in Nashville? Hmm. We could be privy or we could uh, open ourselves up to so much more uh, misconduct and uh, brutality that than what we're seeing now. And so when we're talking about abolishing the very tool that we have that the community voted for to um, uh, create um, a safe space. Let me tell you, on Monday, a lady joined the uh, meeting and she wanted to voice her concern about her son that she loved so much. But I couldn't think of any other place that she would she would be able to go to do that. That's why we're effective. That's why we exist, because the community needs a safe place where they can come and be heard. And if anything um, uh, we find happen, has happened and we want to make any kind of recommendations or even policy recommendations to our police department who does a fine job, then we should be able to do that. And right now, as it stands, what the state has introduced, that would be taken away. Let's get to our next message. It comes from listener Winston. I always thought the community oversight board was a good thing. Uh, Why are police so afraid of being held accountable? 
would they just rather keep treating us all however they want and leaving us no recourse to challenge them? Now, Mark, as a former officer who still works with law enforcement, tell us about the relationship between the COB and MNPD. How does the COB interact with the police? Well, I have to say as a board member, I, I think Director Fitcher probably does more interaction with, with the police department than, than I do as a board member. But, you know, I've got good friends on the police department. Chief Drake was one of the best rookies that I ever supervised as a patrol sergeant, and he's made a great police chief. Um, it's a very professional department. Uh, there's no question about that. Um, you know, they've come a long, long way from the first time that I started policing here years ago. So I'm very proud of our department. And, you know, I just think that the to, to raise your head in pride as a police officer to say, we not only have a high standard of performance because our department requires it, we're not afraid for the community to watch us work as well and judge us. That, that's a badge of honor to be able to tell other law enforcement agencies around the country, you know, w- we do our job correctly and we don't mind who reviews it because we do everything exactly right. So oversight, you know, to me, we should add a sense of pride to their work day and down. Jill, how does the COB and MNPD interact with each other? I think we interact um, very um uh, appropriately. And um, we have, as far as I know, um, our, our relationship is professional. It is um, collaborative. And we haven't had a whole lot of pushback from the leadership in the in the police department in trying to implement some of the, the, th- the changes that we want to see. And so I give them a lot of credit for that. I know, I mean, in, when we first began, it was a l- it was bumpy. I mean, it was new to the city. We had a different police chief. We were under different leadership in the mayor's office. So we have transitioned um, into um, them listening to the things that we want to do. Um, it, as a matter of fact, they've accepted 90 percent of our policy recommendations. So mm. that that stands pretty big. Um really across the, across the nation um, in the how we uh, work together. If you're just tuning in, this is Citizen Nashville, and I'm your host, Khalil A. Colonna. We're talking this hour about the future of the Community Oversight Board now that a bill to disband the board has passed. Tweet us your thoughts at This Is Nashville. Now, we got this comment at thisisnashville.org from listener Carissa Cliff. She writes, quote, If the boards are created by the Tennessee Citizen Referendum, does the legislature have the legitimate right to disband them? I thought this was provided a check as a check slash balance in the Tennessee Constitution. Carissa also says that she's not a legal scholar, and I know that none of you are, but I, I understand that you all met recently with an attorney, Jill. Did you ask the attorney about the legality of this bill? Yeah, um, we met with Metro Legal um, to determine what our next steps were and what we were supposed to be doing. Um, And it's still in a work in progress. Um, I I think that there's multiple issues here. Um, uh, So there's the voter suppression issue. There is, you know, we are part of the Metro Charter. Um, And then, you know, we are having to reconstitute into a whole different department. Um, so, yeah, we have been meeting with our Metro Legal Department. We haven't decided whether or not we're going to get um, outside counsel. Um, so these are works in progress that we will be moving really quickly um, 
to make some decisions, one of the things that I think keeps coming up is what is this mayor's office going to do? Are they mm-hmm. going to support our budget? Um, what is the council going to do? Are they going to support our budget? Um, which would give us um, some indication that they are in support of, you know, um, keeping us staffed the way that we are presently. Do you know how this bill could affect ongoing investigations such as the Tyree Nichols case in Memphis? Yeah. Well, one of the things that they did in the legislation is they changed it and, you know, to anything that started January 1st of 2023, um, you could review. Remember, we won't be able to investigate anything. We would just be able to review. And even with that legislation, the review part is not clear because basically it says that a person would come in and make a complaint. You would send that over to the to the police department. They would review it. And if and then you could review it afterwards if you chose to. But if you make any recommendations, they go back to the chief, but they didn't say whether he would implement them, whether he would take them into consideration. All of that is unclear. Mm. So, you know, I don't know where that leaves the the public. Uh, So are you planning to take legal action in the courts? (laughs) Um, I think that people have a right to take legal action. Okay. Now, it's no secret that there's been some tension between the state and local authorities, which has intensified in the past couple of years. Brian Grant sent us this message. The Tennessee House has no business whatsoever telling Nashville or Memphis what they can and cannot do regarding oversight of their police departments. In fact, that same Tennessee House and Attorney General Scarmetti's office are taking action to prevent what they call federal overreach. Well, if that's not hypocritical, I don't know what is. Now, Alicia, how do you think that the relationship between the city and the state is playing out in an effort to replace or reorganize the community oversight board? I think it's very tumultuous. And I also think, you know, this bill is all about voter suppression. Um, We have been um, having challenges since the beginning of the year with the state, and it is a clear overreach. Um, And so at every turn, we find ourselves fighting for something that we had have already voted for. Right. As Nashvilleans, no matter um, really as Tennesseans, because, of course, it's the state and it appears to be right. Not a targeted um, attack on Nashville or on, you know, whatever city, but. A lot of this legislation affects uh, Nashville, right, and the progress that we've made, and is um, it is intended to set us back. Um, so the question is, what are we going to do about it, right? Are we going to um, allow our voices to be silenced, or are we going to uh, make a, um, a decision to stand up and to um, make our voices heard, fight for what we know is right, for what we believe in. You know, the COB came to came to be because um, we lost two of our community members. And so, you know, Mark uh, brought up a really good point is, do they know who they're harming? I think they do. Right. Um, you know, as we are looking at, um, you know, the 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 uh, citizens who lost their lives like Daniel Hambrick and Jacques Clemens and wanting to make sure that um, they're not just a statistic, but we don't have any more instances like that. Right. And the community oversight board exists so we can um, really, you know, move past police brutality and make sure that communities are safe 
and healthy. And, you know, if the community oversight board is um, uh, abolished, then we open ourselves up to having more instances like that. And I don't think anyone in the community, Republican or Democrat, black or white, wants that to happen. Now, Mark, as a former officer, are you worried about the deterioration of the relationship between the police and the community, particularly if this COB gets changed? Well, look, it just postpones, uh, you know, this. They, they've put it off for a while, but we're going to have to come back to this again eventually. The, the community has to trust its police. Right. Uh, it just doesn't That's work in any, any other way. And, and, but given that, should police then, therefore, in return, trust the community? That is right. Well, you know, I, I don't know how much power the individual officer has over legislation that's enacted. There, there are some officers who probably, you know, agree that we should, you know, do away with the oversight board. You know, police don't like internal affairs, but they know it's necessary, so they support it. Uh, so I don't know what the individual rank-and-file officer feels about this, but the overall relationship between the citizens and the police department is, is crucial for the, for the future. We, we've got to recruit young uh, black women and men and Hispanic women and men to the ranks of law enforcement. We need more women in policing. And the best way to do that is to be open and transparent so those communities can come in to work as future police officers. There are young kids in elementary school today. They're listening to all this wondering, can I be a cop 30 years from now or 20 years from now? They're watching us and how we behave. Mm -hmm. And that's critical. We have real quick, about 20 seconds left. Mm -hmm. uh, Jill, earlier one of our guests, Kim, wanted to know what people could do. What can people do? to support the COP, COB. I think they should reach out to our state, I'm sorry, our city legislators, um, our city council members, the mayor's office. Um, and I think that they should continue to show up at our meetings and voice their concern. I want to thank my guests. That is Jill Fitchard, executive director of the Community Oversight Board, board member and former police officer Mark Wynn, and board member Alicia Haddock. Thanks to you all for being here. Really appreciate thank it. Thank you. Thank, thank you for having Thank you for tuning in this hour. This is Nashville. It is a production of WPLN News and Nashville Public Radio. This episode was produced by Rose Gilbert. Our senior producer is Steve Harouche. Our digital lead is Anna Gallegos Cannon. Michaela Elias is our technical director. Our executive producer is Andrea Tudhope. The masterminds behind our theme music are LaRange and Namir Blade. Special thanks to Paige Flager. Listen back at thisisnashville.org or wherever you get your podcasts. Our, the conversation doesn't end here. Tweet us at this is Nashville. Find us on Instagram and tell us what you want from our show by filling out our quick survey online. This is Nashville. I'm Khalil A. Colonna. We'll see you tomorrow, everybody, and be good to each other.